Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. If you're listening right now, you've caught Emily and I in the middle of a big admin deliberation. <laughs> um, I was going to open by being like, Emily, there's a new show with Rachel Weiss coming out. Got to get that. Sw- it's out. What's the, uh, what is it? It's based off a... Uh, Dead Ringer. Yeah, Dead Ringer. About- well, isn't it like a Jeremy Irons movie from like the 80s? Okay. David Cronenberg, Jeremy Irons, as tw- Jeremy Irons plays twin gynecologist. Okay, listen to me. First of all, right up your alley. Second of all, <laughs> I mean, people are so horny for IP and it's like, let's not do an original idea. Let's do this movie that no one remembers and we'll do Emily's favorite friend, Rachel Weisz. <laughs> I know. All right, I, I'm good. When you you lost me at twin gynecologist. That's I, This is so upsetting. <laughs> but speaking of a man that said something that upset you, Tell tell the community your your issue, your debate, your inner debate. I'll 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 say this not to shame any listeners. Uh, I'll talk about it in terms of an older question we got. We we got a question via um, before we even had an email inbox via every method via DM, Twitter DM, Instagram DM to add ask Eliza to Eliza to me personally to everybody. That was the kind of question where you're like, I know this is your kink and you're just asking because you want us to talk about it. And it seemed innocuous the first time it was asked. But when I realized it had been asked 16 times, I was like, something is up here. So I'm debating in that kind of situation. It's like, do you answer it in good faith and really provide advice that could help someone? Or do you go, I know you're, I know something's going on here and I don't want to give you what you want. So unfortunately, because of questions like that question that was DM'd to me personally 10 plus times, not to the Ask Eliza accounts, this is this is an old question. This is not the question that we are answering today. But I get that kind of question, and then I wind up too suspicious and biased against questions both from men and questions about people's sex lives because I just assume something nefarious is happening. And that isn't always the case. So I apologize for that. Which is a bummer that you even have to think about that because what's going off are your like girl spidey senses. Like the amount of times girls are like, I guess I'll just be nice 
even though the other int- person's intentions aren't pure. And that's such a girl thing. Like, do I do it on the off chance that he needs my help? It's like, no, anybody that like writes into the show that much, like that methodically and and being like, I need you to say this one word. Like, it's like the kind that's of people that just write feet on in your comment <laughs> section. So that type of thinking, which women are uh, forced to think about is what has led us to this next question. So basically somebody wrote in and Emily's first instinct is, well, it's a guy writing in. We always want guys and girls to feel good writing into our podcast, but he wrote in so many times. Now there's a version where you're just an adamant listener and and you are older and you're like not positive how the internet works. We're not going to say this person's name, but you were like, should we answer this? And I'm like, moreover from answering, we should just be discussing this. So what did they ask? Okay. Okay. Hello, AIA crew. Just received the Bloodsoes and DPP cookbooks and got our tickets for DC already. Totally worth the seven-hour drive. Thank you all. I will get straight to it. I, 33 male, married to 30 female for eight years. He's just really adamant about, he has some questions or burnt and we're failing him. Every second we don't answer this, we're failing him. (laughs) I haven't been with anyone else, but rapidly developed a high sex drive. My wife does not in the slightest. Our sex life is very boring and has no variety. She hates talking about it and may have some body shame or ick factor, especially toward mouth stuff or the idea of me giving her oral. I know she's probably run down from caring for a four-year-old, but I secretly bought her a variety of sex toys to spark her interest and hoping to figure out her likes and dislikes, but to no avail, they are all still in the packaging. Even went as far as buying her friends similar toys so they could girl talk about it all. Oh, no. I want, to deepen, oh, no. I want to deepen our intimacy, but respect her boundaries. Is this too selfish of me wanting more? What do you think a good way to balance our different sex drives? Thanks, her husband. Um, I don't know if it's... You never... Here's a tip for anyone married. Don't buy your wife's friends vibrators or handcuffs. Let's say now that we've blown up, I don't want to shame anyone for submitting a question. I think we just get a certain type of question on this podcast and it's women getting married. And so (laughs) anything outside of that, I am suspicious of. Now, this man clearly needs help and I don't, please do not think that we are saying this question is less valuable. We just don't usually get this kind of We don't do, this isn't like a sex podcast. So it's more about like ethos and society versus like when I'm doing DP, should it be hands-free? Um, this comes down to communication. No woman feels attractive when she's tired, especially caring for a child. It's like extra rundown and you feel extra ugly. It's not like you're like working overtime as a model. Like it's such an ugly job and it's not sexy. Being a mother isn't sexy. You are caretaking. Um, sounds like you guys need some time to reconnect and get away. It also, you know, like she might not be the most sexually adventurous person. I'm not. Um, and the answer is maybe get her a little drunk. And no. You, the answer, no, you don't get her like secretly wasted, but you have to create for women. Sex is very mental and you need to create the environment. Maybe it's like the full day of relaxing. Maybe it's a full weekend. It can't just be like, here's some gin, get in the bed, open up. So... I think it's the, more the communication because mentally, if she's not there, physically, it's not going to happen. So leave and leave the friends out of it. Yeah, that's the tough part. I think that there's a real 
disconnect in how the situation is being approached to, to this person is not comfortable about talking about sex. There is something like sweet about being like, okay, I'll buy some things so that she can figure, she can try some things without even it having to do anything with his pleasure, right? It hasn't, he, he doesn't get anything out of that theoretically. But then you bring the friends into it. No. That feels pushy. I would be very curious to know how the friends reacted. Imagine if your friend's husband was like, I bought you a sex toy so you could talk my wife into using it. Yeah, I, you gotta just, you guys need to see a therapist together or you need to create some real space where you guys can connect. No woman wants to feel pressured into it. No one wants to feel ugly. And it's like, okay, I guess we'll just have sex. You need to create the mental environment for her um, and let her, you know, give her a chance to feel relaxed and then she'll feel better about herself um, because you, it'll take a lifetime for a woman to get through her head that like your partner just thinks you're beautiful. Like, I love my body and there are parts I don't like. And Noah's like, I think you look great. And I'm like, what do you know? Get out. So she's tired. No woman feels sexy when she's tired or stressed or caring for a baby. Question. Okay. Important. Fine. How do I get pre-sale tickets? I live in Boston and went to your Medford show and want to get tickets to your TD Garden show. I've been listening to your pod since I heard of it. I'm still a few months back, but we'll listen earlier to find out. I'm a huge fan of your stand-up since War Paint and I'm obsessed with the pod. Shout out to Tree Frogs, Hogiaski, Baby, I'm Hot Scotty, of course, Eliza Doolittle. I love seeing your life evolve as an utter millennial and love seeing your birthday party as an also plur girl. Is plur girl a thing I don't know? Plur is like a rave term. Peace, love, unity, oh. and respect. Oh. Peace, love, unity. Okay, so. And raspberry iced tea. What are the presale tickets for your show? The answer is you don't need a presale code. You know, every venue kind of sets up their presale and it's on sale. The answer is it doesn't matter because it's on sale. So get those tickets while you can still get good seats. It just went on sale. Uh, open to all. It is open season on those tickets. And I'll see you at TD Garden. I'm so excited for that show. I'm, it's an arena. And I am already getting a spray tan. Oh. It's in, it's in the fall. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time, no additional charge, and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. 
Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Hi to all the AIA crew, Eliza Eater of Cereals, Emily, purveyor of Nicole Kidman at AMC Ad Supremacy and the tiniest of snow peaches. Wow. Am I the asshole for lying? Wow, she really reduced us down to our pure essences. <laughs> our core. Our cores. Those are our core values. Wow, you really you know, summed it up. <laughs> that's not how I would initially write about you, but when I read it, it felt like, oh yeah, of course. I'll unlock back a cereal. <laughs> I'm Akashi, I guess. That's an old reference. Old fan. Here we go. And it's probably what they assume you're eating whenever you're eating into the mic. Totally fair. Carrots, <laughs> but okay. I, 34 male, have been with my boyfriend, 33 male, for nearly three years. We met during the earliest period of the pandemic, which was a blessing in disguise. It meant that with so many things closed, our days were very casual takeouts to the park, watching movies on my iPad, walks, beach trips, those kind of things. After a few months of dating, the first date we had, I planned to take us to the aquarium because he loves animals and hadn't been there in years. Context. The aquarium is an hour away. He hates driving, so I opted to drive. Early in the pandemic means we had to make our reservation and show up during a certain window of time to get in. Yeah. After confirming the time the day before, he arrived to my house nearly 30 minutes late, which gave us nearly zero wiggle room and had to hope for zero traffic and parking problems. Thankfully, we made it with a little bit of speeding and had a great time. After this, I noticed a trend that he and I had a different sense of time where I was raised to be on time because you made a commitment to someone, you'd be there at said time, and he is more of a laissez-faire type with the exception of work. Knowing this, I started to build in my own cushion room so that way I could ensure we would be on time to things. Varying the time, I would tell him when an event was, 30 minutes to an hour before the actual event was. Hotel checkouts, movie times, friends parties, etc., which is doable because I am also the planner for 9 out of 10 of the things we do. Typically, this has been fine, but on our last small getaway, I followed the pattern and told him the reservation for dinner were at 6 instead of 6.45. 
At 6.05, he comes out of the bathroom saying he's ready. And when I say, great, we have a few minutes to breathe and relax before we go, he got a little miffed because he, quote, wouldn't have rushed getting ready, missing some steps in his makeup. I'm unaware of these steps. I use moisturizer. (laughs) Mind you, we were together prying and getting ready. He was watching Netflix and napping on the bed until he got ready. So I didn't see why I was in the wrong because he had full control of his schedule in my eyes, but he was upset nonetheless. Am I the asshole for purposefully building in cushion time to our schedule by lying to my boyfriend in an effort to make sure we are on time to things? Or is it in the realm of controlling behavior? That is from VR Anonymous. P.S. Loved all of your shows I've been to. I was one of those cheering in the, quote, weird crowd at the Indio show. Congrats to you and Hunter for delivering the energy right back to them. I was cackling. Would love to see a resurgence of the drive-in comedy shows, too. They were so cozy and comfortable. Not me. I'd like to be (laughs) indoors, please, not outside, doing stand-up like an animal. Um, No, but you're not a butt for doing that. It's really, like, there are people, you choose to be late. You just do. And I always think about, like, male comics who were like, isn't this funny that I'm not accountable and, like, I don't show up? It's like, oh, but when you get in a part in a movie, you definitely show up and you had the wherewithal to put yourself on tape and you had the wherewithal to, like, take that meeting. So it comes down to respect. Now, some people are genuinely bad with time and they're always doing their best and they just can't. They're not good with time management. However, you... I think the bigger issue is that you never communicated this to him. And if you did, you're you're not telling us you did. We have people in our life who are habitually late um, and they tend to listen when we give them that early cushion time uh, and they kind of don't notice it. It's uncomfortable to say to someone like, you're always late because it's like an indictment on their personality. So the issue is that you never pulled them aside to say, babe, you, you know, you're often late. And then he'll be like, no, I'm not. How could you say that? And you're like, I'm not saying this to hurt you. Here are some examples of this behavior. And so I just try to keep us on schedule. So he's rightfully annoyed because he's like, why did why did you tell me the wrong time? And you can't say to him, oh, our whole relationship, I've been telling you the wrong times. It's also unfair to you because you're like, I'm the keeper of the schedule and you're not allowing me to do that because you don't respect my time. It really comes down to respect and it may not even be deliberate, but you are not his father. So like, it's probably not that fun to like micromanage him like that. What you owe him is that conversation. And I could see why he'd be pissed if you had never said this to him before, especially if he did skip steps. I know I feel ugly if I like forget my mascara. So it warrants a conversation, but you're not the asshole because he showed you how sloppy he is. However, you always doing it allows him to be more relaxed and care a little bit less. Like I'm less anxious about flying when I have a tour manager or when I have someone there escorting me around. And so you're doing him that favor, but you need to clue him in. Right. It's tough that you, he was supposed to be ready. Like the reservations were at six. So you have to leave whenever that is for reservations six. And at 6.05, he's like, I'm ready. It's like, okay, you're still, that's still late. He's still late to what he thought it was. And then he's like, oh, it wasn't for another, well, if if he knew 6.45, it would have been seven. I That's true. That's true. I get it. But yeah, being honest with him, it's like either he's shape up or ship out. And people who get offended at that, it's like, how are you going to get offended at time? Like the most black and white thing. Something is either at seven and you're ready at seven or you're not. Right. And it's not like he's late for like going to a a bar, which you can get there whenever. Like there are certain things that have start times. And more importantly, they cause you 
to be a less fun version of you. Like you probably weren't your best stressed out trying to get to that aquarium. And so it's about enabling each one to be the better version of themselves. Mm. I am someone who I need to be somewhere 15 minutes earlier. I'm really nervous. You are someone, you are on time to everything. And I don't know, you have some sense of it where it's like, you are always on time. If there's traffic, we still leave early enough. If there isn't traffic, we don't leave too early. You're always there. I'm in a car waiting outside of every building for 20 minutes and you're walking up five minutes till walking in that door at exactly the time. And I don't know how you do it. I use my fucking head. Like you live in LA, (laughs) there's going to be traffic. And sometimes you might be a minute or two late, but for you to not leave early and be like, I don't understand. Like, you know how this works. And it's about respecting other... Look, look, there are things... I don't I don't enjoy being late. I don't enjoy that power play. There are things where you don't have to be on time. But if you know how to budget your time, you just know how to do it. It comes down to respect. I don't need to like big time anyone. You show up late to a meeting that throws off the whole day. And I also hate waiting. So I pack a very tight schedule so that I can get my shit done and stare at my phone for three hours. <laughs> yeah. I would also be stressed by that. I need more downtime between things, but you're going, going. Yeah. Your boyfriend needs to know, like, it's not like a cute personality quirk. Like you're not herding sheep. Like tell him to get his shit together so you guys can both be fancy free and fun. Oh, you want to be fancy free? I'm 25, I'm from Mexico City, and I'm probably the only brown, fully breed Mexican that listens to you. I moved to Honolulu three years ago, and through listening to podcasts like yours and living in the USA, I have self-taught my English. So I apologize if my message seems crazy at some points. Anyway, mommy, I was just at the club. <laughs> well, you have to say it with an with accent, my- Emily. You can't say- <laughs> I do like how I said it like I was calling someone- Anyway, mother. M-O-M-M-Y. Mommy. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, mommy. That was awful. <laughs> I was I was just at the club with my only fully Holy Mexican God. friend in Hawaii. She's in her 30s, is married, has kids and all that. I am recently divorced from my drug dealer ex-husband, LOL. So ironically, I escaped Mexico for a better life and I ended up with the white version of narco. Anyway, my friend and I were out at the club having a great time and there's a guy I think is cute. She and I commented on that. He listens. At some point, him and I smile at each other. I thought he was interested on me. I go to the bathroom, extremely long lines because of the feminine urge to pee every five minutes. And my friend stays outside the bathroom. And after I get out of there, she tells me the guy I liked approached her and was flirting with her. But she said she had a husband, etc. I thought her story was hilarious. We laughed together. But it started to bother me when she brought the subject up a lot many times later saying that the next time maybe she would do makeup on me because she didn't want to keep getting all the attention. She then said, in Spanish, of course, they only want to fuck you for your big ass, but they want me to kiss them. And I'm tired. Next time I'll put some makeup on you so they hit on you. And I was like, WTF. But I just laughed and got hit on and got the hint like any other Mexican. Now, I wonder if I should even be friends with her. It seems like she thinks I'm less than her or she's just trying to feel better about herself by putting me down. I didn't even care about the guy talking to her. I never get rejected when I approach men and I understand sometimes you're just not the type of someone. But the fact that she brought it up so much affected me because I feel like she thinks I'm uglier than her. I've always thought she's pretty. Now, this person shared a picture and said, this is us tonight. I'm in the white shirt. I need some advice and maybe someone telling me I'm ugly for once. Ha ha ha. Take care. Love you. Take care. All right. Hold on a second. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Now they're going to get a notification that I screenshotted. Please know that we're doing it for this podcast. Okay. So our question asker is in the white shirt. Very pretty. And the friend that thinks that she's 
prettier that night is the other girl. Now, the other girl, it looks like is showing more skin. You're both pretty girls. End of story. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. not, uh, you're both pretty girls. I was nervous because I was like, I don't want to look at this. Like, what if she's a real uggo? And I got to be like, even beautiful soul. You're both pretty girls. Um, and you have like different vibes to you, but you're both pretty girls. Promise if you weren't, I would, we would not be talking about this. I, I would look for other, first of all, your friend could have just been drunk. And, and rude, yeah. And I know that you guys were talking in Spanish, like maybe like her delivery was bad or maybe she thinks you're pretty. So she thought it was okay to say that. Like when somebody is the thing, it's okay to be like, like go to a supermodel and be like, oh, you're so hideous. What are you going to do? You know her better than I do. But if she does it again, or if she's done, if you can look back in your relationship and she's said other stuff like that, there's the version where she is married and like not feeling attractive and she has a kid and she was, you know, looking to like feel validated and feel really good. There's also the version where this guy actually never hit on her. And she's just telling you he did. Yeah, convenient that he smiled at you, but waited till you went to go take a dump to like talk to this girl and you had no idea about it. And then like, he just wasn't there anymore. I would blame it on insecurity. Even if she is pretty, if she is prettier than you, it's even worse to do that. But women don't tend to do stuff like that unless they feel threatened. You don't tend to like go in on your ugly friend like we right. already know that I'm the Mary. You won't get that reference, <laughs> but maybe you should watch Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Um, so yeah, I would, it hurt your feelings and it's a tough thing. I'll never forget. I had a friend and I said, I we were out drinking. It was like at a Soho house forever ago. And I said something, I was like, maybe that guy was talking to me. And she went, no. Like, like it was impossible <laughs> that it was me and said, and I always remember that because like, I did think she was prettier and I never had a problem with it, but it was just like, I'm not an ogre, like whatever. Maybe you're like more accessible. So it sucks because you'll never get that out of your head, but you don't want to say anything because it's kind of like, it's just like weirdly uncomfortable and it could have been a one-off thing. Chalk it up to in the moment, her being a little unfiltered and rude, maybe threatened by you. And if it happens again, then you have to say to her, like, we're supposed to be friends. Like, why why are you saying mean things like that? And then she'll be like, I ignore me. It was just a joke. And you'll be like, mommy, it hurts (laughs) my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you don't deserve to be in a friendship where, like, you're not sure how the other one feels about you. You're supposed to uplift each other. I would give it another chance because that's a... it also could just be her delivery. Like she could just have like a shitty sense of humor when she's drunk. But you have a right to say something. I would just give one more chance. That's right there. Uh-huh. One of my highlight. Hi, Liza. I only recently subscribed to your podcast and was really surprised by the entertaining and sometimes useful answers you give to your listeners. Well, we As all I- surprise ourselves <laughs> from time to time. As I have had a problem of my own for my entire love life, I thought I would give you a shot at giving me advice or at least your entertaining point of view. Oh, hey, thanks. Thanks for the shot. (laughs) My question is, how can I finally find a woman that is also interested in me as a romantic partner? So far, I am an over 40-year-old man and never had a girlfriend. There have been a lot of women that I was interested in, but none of them were interested in me. Of course, many of them already had a boyfriend or even a husband when I met them the first time anyway, so I didn't even try anything further after realizing this. 
there have been a few women that were interested in me, but I had no interest in them at all. I only had three first dates in total and nothing beyond that. For several years, I also tried all kinds of dating apps and websites. There was never any answer, reaction, match, or any other kind of message directed at me. Even services that target nerds like me offered the same experience. As this did not do well for my self-esteem or my bank account, I stopped using them entirely. As an introvert that doesn't drink alcohol or smoke anything, I also have issues getting to know people outside my comfort zones and almost never keep up contact after an initial acquaintance on a rare party. And even when I sometimes send a message later, I do not get any reply. I currently believe that moving after school, moving again after studying, and having a job for 16 years that sent me on business trips every month for weeks made it hard for me to build up a circle of friends and thus opportunities to get to know new women. On top of that, I am quite average in size, weight, and looks, so not many heads turn my way anyway. Now, I have a home office center job as a software developer and hope for an improvement that COVID did not want to make me experience for the last years, three years though. Usually, I'm really satisfied with my life as a single person, but that satisfaction wavers whenever I met a woman where I thought things could finally change now, but then they don't. All stays the same as before, and I feel disappointed again. Thanks for your time. Bye, Stefan. Stefan, you know, that's tough to be over 40 and you've never had a girlfriend, right? Mm-mm. Um, But I don't think you're alone. And I think there's a lot of men who are probably, I'm, I'm assuming you're like a nice, sweet guy. You're like a little shy and you've probably become more introverted, not just because of your chosen profession, software engineer. I feel like a lot of guys are like you, like in that commitment to work. I mean, plenty of women are like, oh my God, my job is what I'm married to. And I've, I've missed the opportunity to date. I wouldn't blame it so much on moving around. You know, there's always clubs you can join, stuff like that. But here we are at 40 and you've never had a girlfriend. Unfortunately, it's not like a trap where you can just set it and an animal will stumble into it and then you get one. It does take work. And I appreciate that you're saying I've done the apps, I've done everything and nothing. But I wonder if we should look at the method. You know, what does that profile look like? Were you saying the wrong things? Like, is there a version where you socially maybe come across a certain way? What are your hobbies? Can you meet up with other people who have those hobbies? Are there like chat rooms or groups or Reddit threads, community events or something where you can get being more social under your belt? Um, Because I think it is, you're bordering on like, it's them, not me, and I'm trying. But there is always more trying to be done. And you spend so much time behind a computer, not talking to anyone, probably like writing code, doing, these are very isolated things. Is there something you can join? Do you have friends where you can just go out? You don't have to drink. You know, I I don't know what other hobbies you have, but for you, I think the key would be getting out into a space where there are more people, surrounding yourself with more people, just to meet other people who might know someone socially. There's two things here because it's, do you have male friends? Yeah, exactly. If so... You need to talk to them about like how you're approaching women and uh-huh. see if no, you're no, doing it in you, such a way that is off-putting. You need to talk to female friends. Well, if I, it sounds like they're not, women are not replying to him. It sounds like he meets women and either isn't interested or, you know, they're married or have a boyfriend. So you know, yes, if, if you have a close female friend, yes, that you don't want to date. But I like think- a female cousin, like a girl that's like around your age, give or take 10, 15 years that could like look at your profile. You may be saying things 
or putting up pictures that like you think are great, but like no woman wants to see you holding a dead fish. So I would get some feedback because you're probably a smart guy and I would be open to that feedback. And you, when we say put yourself out there, this isn't like, hey, like it's thick, but very, very short. And I cry a lot. We're meaning like physically going out. And you have to be okay with the rejection over and over. And I feel like you need more in-person experience. Yeah, I just, the the other path is you don't have male friends either, in which case that's kind of a bigger thing of yeah. it's not a problem with approaching women. It's a problem with making connections with people and maintaining it. You know, you're saying sometimes you'll text people after meeting them and never hear back, you know? Right. What is that text? Like, what 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 is your first impression on people? Because I, it is something you can fake. You can fake confidence. You can fake being a good conversationalist if you study it in the way that you study anything else. And so that figuring out what is going wrong is the only way that you're going to be able to overcome it. Because you say your average height, average weight, average build, there's nothing crazy. You don't have a, like, one eye you dangling say? out of its socket. What were you going to say? A hunchback? <laughs> you were going to say a hunchback. Yeah. But look, listen, I, was like, I don't want to offend people with hunchbacks, but if you have one eye dangling out of your socket, that's a problem. Listen, and I tell this to women all the time. Like, I promise you there are people uglier than you having plenty of sex and getting married and in relationships. So the looks almost, fortunately for you as a man, have less to do with it because women can be attracted to a personality. It's all about the way you make them feel. Um, yeah, you might want to look at those interactions. Are you asking enough questions? Are you coming on too strong? Are you too quiet? And these things, you know, you might meet your perfect match who also loves a quiet guy, but you need to cast a wider net. And that starts with making sure you have the right connections in your life to help you get access to the world where the women are, the ladies are. Start a hobby, join a church, join a cult, like do something where other humans will be there. Because it is hard. I work from home and I don't see anyone else. I don't see anyone except for like my parents and one friend because well, I'm not going to meet the people at work. They live in a different state. It's hard. I get it. You don't want to meet them. You don't want to meet them. Also, remember, you were like, I don't know if I want to do the podcast. And I was like, please. Now I'm thinking we should cut your pay because I'm your only friend. That's what real- I know, this is my this is my my one hangout a week. Your one big hang. But uh keep putting yourself out there and don't be afraid of getting notes. Start a podcast with someone virtually. Make them spend an hour with you every week. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet. Well, introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. Plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. 
Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. Okay, we have the other side of that. And I'm wondering what you think of this um, coming from a woman as opposed to a man. Because Anonymous writes in, Hi guys, massive, massive fans. Any tips and tricks for meeting new people and making friends? I'm a mom, 32, had to move my life and start fresh due to relocation. I find making friends so much scarier than dating. I have no idea where to start or even how to. I feel so alone and 95% of the time is just me and my 11-year-old. When she's at her dad's, it's just me and the dog. Okay. Do you have the same advice basically here? Well, I mean, fortunately for you, you do have the child connection. And at 11, you might still, you know, you're still driving that kid around, dropping them off. So you still have some contact with those parents. So your kids, friends, parents could be, now it's tough if they're married. I feel like married people tend to not be cool to divorce people, but there's always that. There's volunteer. I hate to say this, like there's volunteering at your kid's school, like for their socials and stuff like that, getting on a committee. There's also, and I don't know, you know, what kind of time you have, but going to a workout class, like maybe it's that same woman you see all the time, striking up a conversation. Women always say to me, they're always like, oh my God, I'm a fan. I hope oh, I don't mean to be creepy. You're not creepy. In our nature, we're not creepy. Yes, there are women that do creepy things and they're awful and they're weird, but nobody will be guarded about you being like, hey, great bag. Hey, great pants. Oh, thanks. I got these pants at this store. Oh my God, I love that store. I live over there. Oh, do you have kids? I do too. Oh, we should. All women talk about this, how like it's hard to make female friends. And that's not like women or bitches. That's just, you're guarded and you've already kind of got your likes and dislikes in your thirties and your life and your routine. So it's about being open to chatting. I talk to everyone. I talk to people all the time. I like to hear their stories chatting, which is weird because then it's like, oh, you knew who I was? Well, I was just trying to get to know your military background. Um, talk to the women in line at the coffee place. Go to the same places. Not too often in case someone's talking to you. <laughs> but I think your the kids, parents at your, friend, at your school, uh, any extracurricular activities, be present. Like if your kids got games or something, you go and just kind of talk to the parents. Pretend like you are running for political office and just say mm. hi to everyone. Hi there. How are you? Good to see you. Make it so that people don't talk to you because they assume you have so many friends. 
I think in order to connect with people, it takes trying to connect with people. No one's just going to magically walk up and be like, you seem like you need a best friend. You don't want that friend. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you could use your daughter. Be like, we're having a birthday party or we're having like a back to school thing. You know, invite the parents, invite the kids and have it at your house or have it at a park. Will Mm -hmm. it maybe end up you just watching like five 11-year-olds? Maybe, but next time one of them drops your daughter off with her friend, invite them in, you Mm -hmm. know, set a trap. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, okay, so you cannot trap someone to date, but you can trap a friend if you have a kid already. Yeah, you legally (laughs) cannot prevent them from leaving your home, but other than that, go for it. (laughs) Hi, Liza and Emily, huge fan of all your work. I bought both of your books and Noah's cookbook. Yes. Question. My fiance and I just found out I am pregnant. I'm so excited, but feel like this special time is being overshadowed by the stress of telling my fiance's children, 13 and nine. We feel they will have a hard time with it, but more so than the children, their mother. She is very codependent and we anticipate she will take this as a personal attack on her children. The attention will have to shift slightly from them and be shared with a baby. Not only that, but she's been dating a guy for four years with no commitments in sight while my fiance and I have been together for two years, got engaged in December, bought a house in January, and now we're having a baby. We're bumping up the wedding to June so we can be married before I really start to show. And I was hoping for advice on how to tell not only the kids, but also the ex-wife. Sincerely, stepmom who just wants to be accepted. Oh, that's so tough. It's so tough because first of all, You are married. Married people have babies. Well, getting married. You're getting married, whatever. Um, It almost, you can't control how this woman takes this. She also might be okay with it. You don't know. You're going to spend so much emotional energy trying to strategize and come up with what you'll say, having a playbook, what you'll say if she says this. At the end of the day, you are having your baby and there's nothing she can do about it and she will not be involved in that baby's life. At the end of the day, oftentimes children with divorced parents don't love that their dad is having a baby, but all you can do is remain open and loving and sweet. You sit them down and you tell them and you explain to them that it's okay if they have good feelings or bad feelings. We would love you guys involved. We want you to babysit if you want to do that. Like, Make it like we're going to have a baby sister or baby brother, you know? But also not that their life is now going to suck and have to change diapers. Not at all. You don't say that to them at all. You don't say that. But it just means like we're all going to, your family's getting bigger. I can't wait for you guys to show her the ropes when you get older. I hope that she or he turns out just as great as you guys do. It sounds like maybe you have a nice relationship with them already. If you've been a bitch up until this point, (laughs) this is going to be real rough. But it does sound like you maybe are a sweet stepmom. And Uh if the mom is going to try to poison the kids against it, better that you have softened the blow by letting them know first. That way they go back and and they say something and the mom's like, oh, I hate that. The kids can be like, well, we actually were excited about it. The mom's going to poison them or she's not. All you can do is your absolute best. And they may not realize it at the time, but all you can do is your best and you cannot control the rest of it. And by the yeah. way, those kids are teenagers. Like no teenager like loves a baby, but once that baby is born and they get to hold it and see, like they'll come around just like they did come around to, you know, parents being divorced, dad getting remarried. This is what life is. Um, or they'll hate it and they'll go stay at mom's house and you guys yeah. have more space. <laughs> you know, so you really don't know till you go, but the truth is your focus is that baby 
and your husband's focus should be his kids. And, you know, you say to them, like, your dad is still your dad. You know, this isn't, we want more or less time. Like, just let them know that their feelings are okay in that moment. Mm -hmm. That's all. I mean, that's all I can say. Like, plus they're at that age where like, they're going to want to hang out with It's actually a perfect time because like, they're going to not be into their parents anyway. So it's like the perfect time to have a baby. But, and also that the other mom might surprise you. She might be like, okay, good for them. She knows what it's like to be pregnant and have kids. So she might have some sympathy or she'll just be a lunatic harpy. And uh, in that case, you definitely can stay away from her and have even more reason to be selfish with your husband. I hope your pregnancy is super healthy and goes really well. This is a very special time. This is your first baby, maybe your only baby. Don't let all of that take away from how wonderful this is. Your husband's already been through it. So it's a little less magical for him but it's always less magical for the man. So really rely, first of all, give the mom a chance to surprise you. Really rely on the women in your life. Don't let that take away from your joy. Your baby shower, you're expecting you doing the nursery, you getting excited. This is your life now. And that woman's always gonna be there. So you have to just decide, am I gonna allow that to distract me from the way that I wanna live my life? It's not like you were seeing her a ton anyway. We have a follow-up from the woman whose neighbors was two young people whose trash was blowing in the breeze. Red hot update. She's like, I'm calling from jail. I did what you said. <laughs> no, it's actually I very interesting. Hi, folks. Thanks so much for the help. Two days after your episode aired, they brought their trash bin inside. I really hope they're fans so now we can be friends. Your pod helps not just those of us needing advice, but maybe a few others too. Wow. To know they have not brought the bin in since February. All the best, Christine. Either so they might wow. be listening. What do you want to say? What do you want to say to the? I'm sure nice young women who had their trash can outside. Good for you. Keep bringing it in. Since February, so that means they just put the trash out there and they left the bin out there after it got emptied. You know, like yeah. I said, sometimes when you're younger, there are things you just don't know. That or the dad showed up and he was like, "What the shit is this, Kelsey? Bring it!" I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't spend all that time in Iraq for you to not bring your fucking cans in. Bring them in, Kelsey, or I'm not paying for this Jeep. Hi, Eliza, Emily, hot Scotty number one. So I know you guys usually get questions about not wanting family imposing and living with you, but my situation is the opposite. I want my mom to retire and live with me. I have a daughter and live about 40 minutes away, and my mom has yet to do anything progressive about leaving her bad neighborhood. She often wants to have sleepovers and hang out with my five-year-old daughter, and it's such a bad area that I feel uncomfortable even dropping her off there. She doesn't drive, so she never visits where we live. I live in the suburbs. She lives in Philly. She lives under the L. There's documentaries about the drug epidemic and crime on the avenue she lives on. There's prostitution on the corner and next door is a halfway house. She's in her 70s and can comfortably retire at any time. She talks about, quote, eventually retiring and moving to a better area, but has done nothing about it for years. I feel that I need to put a boundary or an end to my daughter visiting there, but I would feel so guilty. Why won't she just move in with us, be around her granddaughter and be safe? What would you guys do in my situation? Love ya. Because your mom doesn't want to lose her independence. She's still got gas in the tank and she doesn't want to sit around all day and wait for your daughter to get home and be a burden on you. So it's great that she has that independence. I think at the very least, and I think you have, you can say to your mom, point blank, I don't like this neighborhood. I don't feel safe with her there. So I will, 
I want you to come visit us more. I don't know what your mom does for a living and if it precludes her from like living in a suburb, but you as a mother now, she should understand as a mother how you feel as a mother. So at the very least, you can put up that boundary. But I think you, she will feel that you're clipping her wings by being like, just move in with me and give up everything you know. So maybe the rule is grandma can come visit us or I'll have to go with grandma, but you're like, this is not a safe place for a kid. Your mom's probably lived there before it was a bad neighborhood. Like that's her house. And you can explain to her, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that accidents happen and this is a very scary area and it's unpredictable. She will at the very least understand that. I think asking her to move in with you, you know, for people as they get older, having somewhere to go every day and having a job is what keeps them alive and young. And you don't want to take that away from her. So I would get to the root of that. Um, so that's, that's my answer. But yeah, your kid can't be over there. That sounds rough. Mm-mm. Can't, can't do sleepovers. Mm-mm. Hi, Eliza and crew. I'm a 32 female senior graphic designer and Democrat living in the deep South. I've worked for a medium-sized marketing company for over two years, and I make a $45,000 annual salary. My annual review is coming up, and I plan to ask for a substantial raise, $5,000 to $10,000. Last year, I received a glowing review and a $3,000 raise, and I've just been promoted to senior as I now manage interns. While I'm proud of this, I knew the raise wasn't enough, but I didn't have the courage to negotiate. I've had some setbacks in my career that have shot down my self-confidence, and I struggle with imposter syndrome. Plus, I feel like a fish out of water most days as a transplant from the Midwest. But I know I'm underpaid and have a sneaking suspicion that I make less than my male counterparts. Mm -hmm. I'm reticent to discuss pay scales with any of my coworkers because there is a don't ask, don't tell salary clause in our contracts, which I'm fairly certain is illegal. But I like my coworkers and don't want to get anyone in trouble or risk being fired. My question is, how do I negotiate for a better salary without sounding completely desperate? And how have you handled tough negotiations in your career? Thanks to Laughs and Sound Advice, Anonymous. You make $45,000 a year. I know you said you live in the South. Of course, cost of living is lower there than somewhere like San Francisco or New York or LA or anywhere else I would live. Um, But you were making $42,000. What? Before she got the $3,000 raise. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be an assistant... When I, to be an assistant in 2005, I was making $40,000, okay? So they are taking advantage of you. Now there's a version where you're not great at your job. (laughs) But let's say you are, and they've been kind of taking advantage and giving you more responsibility. Here's what you need to do. You need to figure out your cost of living and you need to figure out what price point you would be comfortable doing your job. What is enough to make it so that you can live, you can breathe, if something happened, you'd have some money and that you feel valued, okay? The don't ask, don't tell thing, I don't know if it's illegal or illegal, but that whole thing is designed so that you have blinders on and you have no idea where you stand. And if you have a hunch that your male coworkers are making more, you're probably right. I, if it were me, and I have done this in one specific instance, if you have someone that you're close with there, you ask them, what do you make? You ask Well, them. not See like that, but yes. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't work in a corporate situation, but it's not that when you get into negotiating, you want to be like, well, you know, Sanjeet makes 80 grand and I know Tamara makes 70 grand. So why are you lowballing me? 
But what you don't want to do, and I don't think you would, is ask for something that's just like, uh, we don't pay employees like you that much. I don't think you would do that. You need to ask for what you are worth. Because if you lose this job, who fucking cares? Like you could probably make more selling used cars. I'm not even joking. Like, can you get another one in that field? You're saying you've had some setbacks. So I'm curious to know if they think you're worth that much or if this is just a numbers game. I don't know where you work or what you really do. But this is about you feeling good being at work. And you don't right now. There are a few factors here. And one I will say is look up what the cost of living increase is because a lot of your rise probably didn't even cover the cost of living increase, right? So you basically are now making less by the dollar than you were a year ago, than you were five years ago. Look that up. Look up on Glassdoor what the salaries being paid are. Look up Google salaries for your job. Yes. Graphic designers can make a lot of money in the right. right spot. Come in with data. Look at your job. This is the hardest thing. Look at your job like you're writing your resume or your LinkedIn or whatever and write down exactly times that you have like saved the company money. Write down things you have accomplished, things you have done because this is such an awkward conversation to have. You have to go into it with as many facts as possible. Like, look, Mm -hmm. the cost of living was this. The average in this area is this. I am now managing other people, so Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for Mm -hmm. them. All of that means I should get... Ask for 15,000, you know, Ask and then for, settle at 10. I've been here this amount of time. I happen to know, maybe you do know people who have gotten raises in less time. This is all assuming you are very good at your job and you're not right. being corrected multiple times. And, you know, I don't know what those setbacks were, but what this comes down to, let's say you are of value. This comes down to them knowing you're too nervous to ask for more, them knowing they can pit you against other people. And this comes down to the respect. And I've had this conversation before where I knew somebody else who was not as good as me was getting paid more for no reason. And I went to the person in charge and I said, I know that so-and-so makes this. That person's eyes almost popped out of their head because no one's (laughs) supposed to know that. And I said, it is absolutely out of bounds that you've not been paying me that much this whole time. And they tried to say, well, this person it was grandfathered in and this person does that. And I pulled up my facts and I said, I'm playing two arenas this year. This person can't fill a tiny theater. So what gives? I had my numbers. I just knew, I know my industry and I know my field and they changed it because they knew that they were getting away with something for a very long time. And why would they ever pay you more when they have you at that price? You have to be willing to be unafraid because no one's going to do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And, you know, try, if you do get info from other people about what they make, do not, do not mention their name, them by name, do not mention their exact salary. You do not want it traced back to them because that is not a good look. No, never Um, say that. But also again, like I always stress and people, when they write me lovely notes, they always cite that I say this, what you're dealing with is this is uncomfortable. So this comes down to your comfort versus theirs. They are very comfortable paying you chicken scraps. And you are Mm -hmm. uncomfortable asking for more. So if you want to stay that way, this is what it's going to be. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Fortune favors the bold. Chicken scraps for all. Dear Eliza and Emily, financial independence has been a major goal of mine. I'm an aggressive saver and investor. At 28, I am not wealthy, but I do have a higher net worth than pretty much anyone in my family. My dad always worked hard and had a good job, but was terrible at saving and got into a lot of debt. He lost his job when COVID hit, and it's been a slow recovery. He had a baby with his second wife who also just lost her job. They are struggling. 
For my half-sister's first birthday, I sent a gift card that could also be used for groceries. My grandparents are struggling to prep for a move, so I paid to have their house cleaned before putting it on the market. While I can afford to do these things, there's a part of me that worries about me taking responsibility for other people's finances. I keep seeing their problems and wanting to fix them. I'm certainly not anywhere near where you are, but I imagine you've also experienced having more money than family. How do you balance being generous and not feeling like you have to fix every problem? To their credit, no one has asked for money. I just feel like since I have it, it's wrong not to help. Any thoughts appreciated? Anonymous. If that's the way you feel, that's the way you feel. You know, some people feel that obligation to fix everything in their family. Some people, when you see something like if $100 is like make or break for them and you have it, I'm a big fan of like, just take it. We're not going to go into money I've given to people or not. It's not about me. But sometimes the littlest bit of money can go the longest way for, for someone. I don't think they're looking to you. Also, you know, if they... If they deliberately had a baby, you know, there are people who don't have access to healthcare or abortions or anything. If they deliberate, like that is their financial responsibility, you know, and you want to help your dad. But like, I don't know, it's tough because I think we paint debt and bad and poor financial choices in this country as like, wow, you deserve this. You asked for it. Losing your job, like that's rough, you know, or you, there are extenuating circumstances where, you don't have money and you really did, you had a job forever, you know? So it almost doesn't matter. It really is about what do you feel that you should do? And will your dad even take that help? And that's nice that you paid for your grandparents. Sometimes to do little things like that really help. Nobody's expecting you to pay for anything and you're planning for your life. So I think it's about what makes you feel good to help with. Yeah. Don't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm, but something like a cleaning service is such a nice way to not say, I have more money than you. Here's some money. It's taking care of a problem in a very real way where now they don't have to worry about it. And I think that is the absolute perfect way that you can use any success you've had to help the people that you love. I think that's a really wonderful way of doing it. And you've got it under control. And as long as you don't start handing out hundreds to people willy-nilly, you're doing good. Because also what you did is a finite thing that has a direct result. Like I paid for cleaning it got cleaned and now they can have the security deposit back. My worry is like, if you give your dad money, not that you're saying that, then it's like, okay, but next month when he needs money. And then if he spends it on something superfluous, you don't want to be like, hey, I gave you that money. Why did you buy lotto tickets with it? You don't want to think like that. You don't want to be managing his money or, or, or how he spends it. So if you do give money, just, just know that you're never going to get it back. If you're okay with giving money every month, some people do that, then great. But if it doesn't make you feel good, you shouldn't be doing it unless you owe your dad something that I don't know about. Like he was always there for you or something. So it really is about what do you feel? What do you feel in your heart versus out of obligation? Mm-hmm. Did your dad like Tabla. go into debt to put you through medical school? Like maybe buy him a couple meals, but... I don't know. I don't know. Couple really meals. I'm just saying. But then there is, I think, that other side of it where it's like, okay, but his girlfriend is having a baby yeah. and that's not the greatest decision. It's maybe not, but not to, we don't know. We don't know if she, if it was an accident, we don't know. Yeah. Yep, yep, But yep. you know, I bought this kid one share of Apple stock. I bought this for the baby. What you don't want to do is give them money and think that they're frittering it away. So it could just be like, hey, here's a gift card. Like making it concrete things. That way you don't have to think like, are they just wasting it? Yeah. Nice gifts. But then I think about some of our questions where it's like, 
the parents would like give ridiculous gifts and the woman's like, we need money for groceries. Like, why did you buy us this vacuum? Well, yeah, I think that that the grocery card and like, it sounds like this person is pretty tapped in on what their family needs. The cleanup before listing the house, that is useful. That's not like a a box of old extension cords. You know, it's, it's, they're not just filling people's home. The, The grocery card for the kid's first birthday, like that all seems pretty thoughtful. But yeah, you do, you don't want to fall into that trap of like, here, I bought you a rocking horse for $1,000. Or like, we need wood for the fire. We're going to carve it up. Carve it up. Top of the cab. Top of the cab. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. Do you want me to start with the fan top of the cob? It's a sweet one. Let's do it. Okay. Top of the cob, the AIA episode with Hunter Hill is my comfort episode. When I'm stressed or have too many thoughts taking up space in my mind, I listen to you guys and find myself calmer and more centered. I'm not sure if it's the friendship, Hunter's calm voice, or the huge laughs that come up during the entire episode. Thank you both for providing that cozy, familiar feeling that I used to get as a kid while re-watching Newsies. Smiley face. Hunter was on the show. Probably eight years ago. Like, yeah. When was Hunter when it first on the started? Show? When it first started, and you had guests, and then we we got tired of that. But he is a delight, and people can see you two together. Yeah, and get those. I think it's probably a little less cozy at a live at a live comedy show. But yeah, you can see me and Hunter <laughs> on tour, my big hard feelings tour this fall, and it is a cozy show with thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of your friends in the crowd. What's your top of the cob? My top of the cob is I had a cobbler. Uh, over the weekend, my neighborhood had a little get together, a little neighborhood thing. Mm. And um, for the last few that they've done, I've been out of town or my cat was dead. And so I didn't want to go. So I went for the first time and the woman who was hosting it, it was her house, had made a berry cobbler that was phenomenal. Um, and I was eating it. But then here, I actually need your advice on this. Then when I'm leaving, the event's over. And I was like, thank you so much for the cobbler. So good. Da, da, da. She goes, oh, well, I have another one that you can have. And I'm like, no, no, thank you so much. You know, what What am I going to do with a whole take cobbler? It. You're going like, to eat well, it shirtless. I didn't take it. And she's like, well, I guess I'll just put it in the freezer then. I'm like, was I rude yes. for not taking a whole pan of cobbler? Look, we both know you were going to eat it, okay? We both know you're going to well, turn so, on but the I Nicole shouldn't. Kidman trilogy. No, she offered it. When you have food, and I know this better than anyone because I live with a chef and he's always doing recipe testing. We send out an APB to our neighbors. We're like, hot soup, grab it now. Fish stew, time sensitive. Corn muffins, come and get them. So she is just going to freeze it. What would be very cute is if you went over with like a little pot of flowers or something, you'd be like, I thought about it. And if you still have that cobbler, I'll take it and then transfer it into your mouth and bring the pan back. It was so good. It was, I think, like blueberries and blackberries and it was homemade. Everything was homemade and she was telling me about it and she's like, oh, I got the recipe. But the cutest thing, the sweetest thing is because she was she was like telling me to tell everybody what my job was and I was trying to explain what my job was. She goes, I got the recipe on, on the internet. Like, you know, like the internet that you use. Like oh, you use the internet, right? So and it was like very sweet. She like points to like the internet. Yeah. Uh, a blackberry and a blueberry cobbler. It's called a bruiser. It's not. Oh, it's not. I made that oh, up. But I believe that fully. Go relieve this woman of the cobbler. You know you're going to eat it. So just get some ice cream okay. and settle into your destiny. That's very cute. But bring her something. <laughs> Be like, I just want to say thank you. It was delicious. Text her. Don't show up while she's like eating it shirtless, breathing over it. <laughs> Everyone's shirtless in my dreams. Uh, they are. My job of the cob is I did, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it. I did a game show. Oh. 
which I often do because they're easy to film. I love playing games. I love trivia. Um, And my hair guy came over and he straightened my hair like stick straight. And it was, and I forgot because I blow dry my hair, but it's always like, oh, okay, that looks bare. And it was stick straight. And he did such a good job that it stayed stick straight. And it's, we did that on Thursday. And today is Monday that we're recording this. And I kept it, I was able to keep it straight all weekend, keep it straight during a workout. And it is, I know there's something tied to, you know, not be like your ethnicity and and loving your body and, and not embracing all the things media tells us to, but I would, I straight hair is better. And having it straight, I just felt better and prettier and like ready to go. Even dirty and greasy, which it is now, looks better than my curly hair on its best day. I am loving each of these stick straight strands. And I know that when people see me, they're like, who is that dirty, greasy, crypt keeper haired goblin? And I'm like, it me. I'm loving it. I'm going to see how long I can stretch it. Oh boy. Okay. Good luck to you all. All three uh, of my hairs. The bottom of the cob from a fan is is something that makes, when I read it, I felt it very viscerally. They said, this past weekend, I met my roommates and boyfriend at a bar. There was nowhere to park, so I parked in a closed restaurant parking lot and ended up getting towed. Ugh. Had to pay $275 to get it back at 3 a.m. and had to be at work by 10 a.m. the next day. No. The most infuriating part was that there was a tow sign. I just chose to ignore it, so it was completely my fault and had to literally pay for my own stupidity. Ha ha, ruined my week. Now, I felt this so hard because there are those things where you think, what if I had done something different? And you just feel that sick pit in your stomach. Like the only times I've ever gotten like a ticket, I've thought, why did I go down that road? Yeah. What happened to lead me here? Like this person definitely parked, just was headed to the bar. And then it's just like, ugh. First, but think of all the times that you've parked illegally and like it was fine. Think of all the times like you cannot park here and you do because it's like, it's a Sunday night. Like who's ticketing? I... This is how cities like make their money. Los Angeles is mostly parking lots and empty ones at that. And you're just never allowed to park there. And businesses just pop up. They're like, we're open. Good luck getting in here. It's just a giant fucking racket. And so for the amount of times that you don't get a ticket, I think it's worth it. I don't think you live in LA, but if you do, I don't think you're a true Angelino until you get your car towed. (laughs) So I'm not a true Angelino. But uh, don't beat yourself up. It happens. And you're probably, you'll probably never make that mistake again. Um, and if you do, it'll be deliberately. <laughs> deliberately. Your- yeah. Uh, my bottom is getting tiny, tiny little cuts on your hands. I mean, I got it. This one was happened to be from a cat. But you know, when you have like a paper <laughs> cut or something yeah. on a knuckle, oh. and then you're just like, it's never going to heal. This is, I'm always going to feel a little bit of pain forever. You'll also come face to face with that if you ever have a kid uh, because they heal. And my daughter like fractured her leg and like walked it off in a week. And I have a zit that is still dark from like three weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah, a sign that you're just getting older. Your skin's like, why heal? Well, we'll be dead soon. <laughs> my bottom of the cob, of course, has to do with this Volvo. And that is, listen to this bullshit. So Volvo. I get Volvo because of Lemon Law to buy it back. But of course it has to be bureaucratic. So they have to contact a separate entity that's a go-between that makes an appointment for you to drop off the car. But you cannot drop off your Volvo at the dealership 
I cannot drop off my Volvo at the dealership because the dealership doesn't have any room. And I'm like, how do you have no room when you literally are a parking lot? Moreover, every car is out of stock. So clearly there must be spaces. And I said, can I drop it at another Volvo dealership? And she said, because you've only ever gotten maintenance there, which is a fucking random made up bullshit red tape thing you have to use that dealership. And I'm like, oh, the dealership where I left a voicemail telling the manager I was going to sue them. I'm sure they're dying to answer that call. But their maintenance person who I don't know why this third party one was talking to them left the company and told no one was told. So she was just calling a voicemail that wasn't being answered. She finally gets a hold of the manager and it's just insane that I still am being forced to pay for a car that I want to get rid of Volvo and you are making it this difficult. We don't have any, we live in fucking North America. There is room. I'm like, what if I just show up, give them the keys and I'm just like, here it is. What are you going to do? hundred percent. They're going to be like, no, it's going to be like that Time Warner box or whatever. Oh and they're like, we never got the car. Just we never forget these systems are set up in place to where every company, because of capitalism, every company is right. You as the consumer are wrong and you're a fucking joke for trusting anyone. So Volvo, I will never drive you again. It's not worth the horrible customer service. It's not worth the maintenance issues. And it's not worth being treated like a criminal for trying to give you money for a luxury car. So fuck you. And that's it. I hate that. Okay, and people should subscribe and give us five stars. And like the show. <sighs> I had to I had to just get that out. I'm sorry. I know that I like do deals and we endorse stuff, but you cannot just like fuck people and have them be like, but I love my Volvo. Anyway, like it's enough. Consumers need to have a voice, but beyond a Yelp rating. All right, look, look, I've got a lot of things to tell you. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, that means we are just two days away from Eliza's Locals out on YouTube. That is Friday, April 28th. I produced several stand-up specials for some emerging LA voices. There are a lot of funny people on here, people that really put in the time. These are 10- And a lot of nice people. A lot of nice people. Who should get all good things. Which is why you watch a comic, because you heard they're a nice person. Uh These are 10-minute specials. They're beautifully shot. Uh, They go quick. They're easily digestible. And it will be Eliza's Locals on YouTube. I'm so proud of these. You can catch me uh, tickets to my Hard Feelings tour, eliza.com slash tour. Very excited for some of these mega dates, including you, TD Garden in Boston and Ball Arena in Denver. But uh, coming up, I'll be at the Brea Improv June 16th and 17th, just running this hour. And I'll be in Hawaii, July 27th in Maui and July 28th in Honolulu. I don't know why I don't announce my dates more on this podcast. I need to be better about that. You do every time. No, I know, but this was a lot. But Eliza's Locals, come check out some new comics, find some new comics you like. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you live in L.A., we're having an Eliza's Locals showcase slash premiere party (gasps) at Tom Bergen's, which is where I saw a couple of these comics. Um, It's a big open parking lot. It's open to the public. It's going to be a nice, fun party. So come on out. The drinks are not free because it's a bar, you know, but come on out. See some uh, a nice, quick comedy show. And uh, is that Friday, this Friday, the 28th, Thursday, the 27th, Thursday, the 27th at Tom Bergen's tomorrow. Okay. And remember, remember the old Romanian saying, when dogs are awake, they're barking. Oh God, I hate this game. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta, 
because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.